Welcome to Fleet Baptist Church. We hope you enjoy the latest in our teaching series. Uh, We're going to start by reading two passages of scripture. They will be on the screen behind me if Amy does her job, which she will. So, uh, Luke 24, verse... That's a great start, isn't it? Verse 49, it says this. It says, I am going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stay continually at the temple praising God. Let's move on to Acts 1. It says this in my former book. I wrote all about that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing, convincing proofs. Oh, it's a tough passage, this. Oh. Um, convincing apparently was the word that defeated me. But anyway, he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for, my, wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And let's jump to verse 12 where it says, Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were a whole list of names, and they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary and mother of Jesus with his brothers. Thank you. And that's the sermon today, apparently. That's it. So um, a couple of weeks back, uh, Nathan actually finished off our series looking at the life of Jesus. And in a couple of weeks' time, um, we're going we're gonna to stop and pause for Pentecost. And so um, uh, actually today, I actually want to look at that in-between bit, the bit between the ascension and the promise of the Holy Spirit. And what I want to do this day is kind of look at it and learn for ourselves what we can learn from the disciples for what it means to wait on God. Um, At the moment, we're in between sermon series. So we've, as I've just said, we've just finished our life in Jesus. And I think next week we're starting to look at Joshua. Um, And rather, this, this service is a lot shorter. In fact, I only have 10 minutes to finish the sermon because we've got, a, we've got other things to get on with. But um, I probably will go over that. We'll see how we go. See how fast I can talk. But um, we are, we're, we're in between. And rather than start a whole new series, we're actually, as a team, we're like, let's, let's not start thing and not be able to go into it deep. Let's just pause for a moment and let's look at this thing of waiting. And waiting is one of my least favorite subjects in the world because I am impatient. And I, I know I can tell you exactly where it stems from. Um, it stems from the fact that when I was um, at school, in high school, I used to have to wait an hour after school, at least, for my mum to come pick me up. Oh. It was you know, an hour of my life, every day, for at least a year. Um, a, a point that I reminded her this week, and she said, I am sorry, Amy, but could you stop bringing it up? But... <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> do you say that's fair enough? <laughs> All right. Um, but anyway, so um, and what, what used to happen was, because um, I'm, I'm one of many children, I'm one of five, and so at one point, we were all in three different schools. 
So my youngest brother was in Harold Lower. My other two siblings were in Harold Priory Middle. You can tell from that that I went to a posh school. And then uh, I was at Shambrook Upper School. And so Harold was, uh, the two, the lower and middle school were in Harold, and I was in a school the next village over, a couple of villages over. But what would happen was that my brother would finish at three, so my mum would go get him. I would finish at 3.15, but in a different village, so she would not leave, although I would like to point out, only took 10 minutes to drive. <laughs> Plenty of time. Anyway, this is a point that never got heard. And uh, um, she, would, she would wait um, for my sister and brother to finish at 3.45, and then come and get me. So at the very earliest, if all was going well, and she transported from Harold to Shambrook, I would pick up, be picked up half an hour late from school. But as I keep reminding my sister again this week, and she said, stop bringing it up, she never came out on time, which meant that it was like an hour every day that I would just sit on this bench feeling lonely and sorry for myself. Wait, thank you. Thank you. I will, I will, after this message, I will head straight to the, probably the front, they'll be at the front now. I'll head straight over here and just cry over my lost moments. But no, I used to, I used to sit on this bench and I would wait. And um, the first week, there was a little bit of a novelty to it. I think I convinced some of my friends to hang out with me for the first week. Um, in the pouring rain, it's really hard to get a friend to sit with you for an hour. On a, on a bench when they don't need to. So I just sit there without an umbrella. I don't know why I'm really hamming this up. I'm really upset about it still. But what happens now is when someone says waiting, all I hear and all I remember is what happened on that bench where I just sat waiting, feeling unable to do anything because my mum didn't come and get me. And so I think we're actually quite like that. When we hear the word waiting, we hear, I can't do anything about it. I'm just going to sit here passively until something happens. And that's actually not what the disciples did. When they said, um, when Jesus said, wait for me, they got on and did something. Because waiting with God is not a passive activity. It's not something that we just sit and with no control over. Because I think that's what, when we hear wait, I think we hear I have no control and I have no part to play in this situation. Whereas when we're hearing wait in the Bible, it's saying get on with the task. Get on with it, push in, press in. And so... Um, yeah, I actually want to start off right from the very top by separating out that waiting, when you hear the word wait, don't hear passive, hear active. Hear that I've got a, I've got a part to play in this. And so um, Luke 24 tells us that they stayed continually at the temple praising. Acts 1.14 tells us that they met together constantly united in prayer. By the way, just uh, it says in their homes. It doesn't mean that they both weren't true. I think they just did both and that they met in the temple and they met in their homes every day, prayed. Um, it later details how they got on with appointing another disciple to replace Judas. They went about their business, pressing into the promise of the Holy Spirit to come. They didn't just wait, like we here wait. They didn't become inactive. In fact, I think they became more active than they've ever been. And what we see is when we look at the disciples in this in-between time, when they're waiting for Holy Spirit to come, is that they, and I'm really proud of this, get ready for the big three, that they were expectant, dependent, and persistent. Thank you. I spent a lot of time thinking about that. They were expect. I'm going to say it twice. I'm actually going to say it more than twice. But right now I'm going to say it again. They were expectant, dependent, and persistent. 
After the last 40 days with Jesus, I don't actually think the disciples could have been anything but expectant. I want you to imagine for a minute that you were a disciple and you've just seen someone rise from the dead. Not like rise from the dead like they'd known before where they, they just rose in their old body. It was a resurrected body and defeated death once and for all. Blimenek, that's amazing. <laughs> in, insert your other exclamation word there. But, gosh, golly gosh. Oh, since we moved to fleet, I've actually started using gosh. It's very upsetting. <laughs> um, <coughs> gosh. But um, I don't think they could be anything else but expect, expectant. Like, the, just, just hear, uh, think about the stories where, where Jesus appeared to the disciples in all these different ways, where he walked through walls. I mean, that, that required a freak out, I'm sure. If Jesus suddenly walked through that wall, I mean, yes, come on, but also, ooh. <laughs> it's a little freaky, isn't it? <laughs> but... Um, Oh, you can, you can tell that I'm still from Russian, because I went gosh and then in it within a sentence. Deary me. But, <laughs> deary me. <laughs> if you'd just like to tally up all the awkward expressions I make and give them to me at a list, I'll try and erase them from my vocabulary. But what I think those 40 days did of spending that time with Jesus after the resurrection and before the ascension was that it created a culture with them, within them of expectancy. They were expectant for what God was going to do because of what God had done when he was on earth, what he was doing now with his resurrected body and what he was going to do with all the promises he was telling them. They were expectant and that culture was established within them. You know, I believe something changed in those 40 days different to what happened to them over the three years they spent with Jesus. And I think it was like something had come into focus that clarified everything that had happened over the last three years. And that's something that would never leave them the same again. And something that created that deep sense of expectancy within them. You know, the way the disciples behave immediately after the ascension is very different to what happens when Jesus dies. There's very different behavior going on. <clears throat> After the crucifixion, uh, they're, they're downtrodden, they're hiding in rooms. And um, we, we read in John, don't we, that they've, they've actually gone back to their jobs. They're back on the fishing boats fishing. We see that Jesus meets them, has breakfast with them, but they're fishing again. They went back to their life before Jesus. He spent three years with them, and within three days, they've gone back to their old life. But this time, they don't do that. Something had changed. And I think the reason they don't do that this time, the reason that they get on with the task that Jesus had actually set out, very, he was very clear, wasn't he? Wait for me, and I will send the Holy Spirit. He was very, very clear. I think the thing that came into focus before the ascension is that they could fully and wholeheartedly depend on God. And I think, you see, up until that point, I don't think they knew that. I don't think they knew that right down somewhere here. I don't think that they didn't believe that God was the Messiah. I don't think they didn't believe he was the son of God. I think they believed all of that. But I think that when he died on the cross, I don't think they were expecting that. And I think they, were, they thought that death had defeated Jesus. But we know it hadn't. But for them, I think, I think they were at a loss at what to do. But what happens after he rises again is something clicks into focus where they go, oh, Actually, 
you will say, everything you say will come true. You said you would rise again, and you did. Even death couldn't defeat you. And so suddenly, rather than, rather than, than them not knowing, kind of like, Jesus is gone, and they're like, we don't know what to do now. Jesus is gone again, and they know what to do because he's told them what to do, and they can trust it because they know Jesus is dependable, and he will come through for them. Amen. You know, it's really, uh, it's really easy to um, trust someone if you know that everything they've ever done, ever said they would do, they did. It's blooming easy. It's really hard if you don't. You know, uh, Chris could say to me in the office, Amy, just wait here, and I'll be back to um, come and give you another task to do. And I know Chris, so I know that he almost certainly will. I would would give it like a 95% chance. Pretty good. I'd say 95% is pretty good. There's a 5% chance that one of you or someone has called and he's got something more urgent to do. I'd also understand that. Because I know Chris, and I know that he's dependable. Dependable. But if I didn't know him, if you asked me on my first day, wait here, and I'll come back, I haven't got anything to go on, because I don't really know him. And I think... Knowing who Jesus really was, not just the the character of him, but the fact that every single word he says is true, has an incredible impact on how you act next. We need to know beyond know beyond know who our Jesus is, so that then we can act like he has asked us to, because it makes all the difference. So this time when Jesus said, wait, there wasn't any hardship in it. It wasn't hard for them, I don't think. Because he'd just risen from the dead. Oh, my word. I would really have loved to be a disciple. At the beginning bit, the end bit where they get, you know, persecuted. I don't know. I think I would love to do that, actually, as well. I'd love to die for Jesus. You know, but that's a little bit more hard. But I'd love to be there at the beginning. You know, and see what they saw. You know, in that, in that 40 days, because they knew who Jesus was, they, could, they knew that they could depend on him, and I think they did become dependent on him. Something had clicked where actually without, their life without Jesus meant nothing. And that dependency allowed them to become expectant. You know, you can't expect something from someone if you can't depend on them. You know, we see, it, um, we see that dependency in the way that they choose the next disciple. And they cast lots, not because they just couldn't choose. It was because they wanted God to be in control. They weren't just saying, we're going to leave this down to luck at all. They were saying, actually, we want nothing to do with this because your way is best, God. So we're going to be dependent on you that you're going to choose the outcome of this. That's dependency. They were expectant because they could be dependent. And so they became persistent. Daily, they met together in the temple, in the upper room, pressing in persistently, taking hold of the promise. Luke 11.13 says that, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? A couple of verses before that, in verse, I think it's 9.10, it says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. That passage is set in the context of, you know, what more will the the Father give you? 
But it's not just an ask once and then you'll get. It's a push in, seek. I don't think seek means, um, Jesus, I'd really love if you could uh, come back, please, and send your Holy Spirit. Great. I'm going to get on with my job, and I'll see you whenever you turn up. I don't think actually that's what it meant. To actually to, to seek something is to, is to push in, to, to look for it until you find it. You don't stop until it's found. There is something about pressing in fully, fervently, until we seek it out, until we, we find what we've been looking for. And I think we need to remind ourselves with the disciples, because I think we're like, it's all right for them. They only had to do that for 40 days. I want you to remember that they didn't know it was going to be 40 days. I don't know if they thought it would be three days, like it took Jesus to rise again, whether they knew it would be 40 days, because it's it said that's how long he was with them on, on earth before he ascended, or whether they thought it would be years. I don't think they had any context to know, but they lived their life like he was coming back tomorrow, like he was going to send his Holy Spirit tomorrow. I'm certain on day 39, it was pretty hard. Particularly when you didn't know on day 40 that Jesus, uh, the Holy Spirit was coming. I don't think they knew. I think it probably felt like a really long time, but yet they lived like it was happening tomorrow. They pressed in with the same urgency. I believe they pressed in with the same urgency on day 39 as they did on day one. They didn't become passive in the waiting. They remained expectant, dependent, and were persistent in pressing in until the promised Holy Spirit came. Dependent, expectant, persistent. And so when we talk about waiting, when we talk about waiting for God, waiting for God in things, we need to kind of undo what we've heard before, that we're going to remain here and inactive. We're going to remain here passive until it happens. But actually, what we should hear is that when God says, wait, we hear, I've got a task to do. I've got a job to get on with. I've got to become expectant of what he's going to do because I'm dependent on only him providing. And I will be persistent and see a, a persistent until I see it happen. There are so, so many things that we're waiting for as a church. I mean, quite frankly, we need a building. This is not our permanent home. Actually, this, this, is, is all, this is a step of faith saying we believe that, that we are no longer meant to be at Clarence Road and we physically, we're, we're not going to fit in here anymore. I don't know if you know that most of you, there is a whole host of people that are away today and if they all came, we would not fit in this building. We are waiting on God to provide a new building. Not inactively, not passively, but with a task to get on hold of. We're waiting for revival to come. I believe we're starting to see some things happen, but nowhere, nowhere near the fullness of what God has promised. I, I'm certain that all of you will have things that God has spoken into your lives where he's promised something and you've yet to see the fulfillment of that promise. I know I've got many, many things that I've, I've asked God for. Or that, actually, no, because that's different. God has said to me, this will happen. That's different. I want to clarify myself there. Asking God and God saying something is two different things. There are things that God has spoken in my life that I know have not come to fulfillment yet. But I must remain active in the waiting. And so my question to you today, church, and and also Powerhouse, I want to say this is a question for you too. 
Because God's, there are things that God has spoken in your life, powerhouse, that you need to wait actively for. Yeah. And you also need to show us adults how to do it, because by the way, you're way better than we are. Right. My question to you all, church, is what are you doing about it? What are the things God is asking you to wait in, and what are you doing about it? And so as the band come back up, um, I'm just going to ask you to stand, actually. And um, as we stand, I want to um, ask for you to bring to mind just one thing, just one promise that God has spoken into your life, whether that be for us as a church or whether that be for you as an individual. Either is good. And I want to ask you, how are you waiting? Are you waiting like I used to wait on the park bench, feeling like I have no control, quite frankly getting frustrated that my mum wasn't turning up? Or are you waiting expectant, dependent, and persistently? And the second question I want to ask, because I think it's actually the more important question, is do you know who God is? Because if you don't know who God is, if you don't know that he will provide for you because every single word he says is true, if you don't know that, then I'm going to um, ask you to come to the front when the prayer ministry team come and ask for a revelation of who God is for you. Because that's where it starts. Knowing who God is changes everything. It changed everything for all the disciples. Knowing who God is, he's a God who is faithful. We sang that, didn't he? Didn't we? He is faithful. He never lets go in the storms, in the, in the valleys. And so just as we stand, I'm just going to ask you to imagine that thing, that thing that God has promised. And just ask yourself, do I believe, God, that you are who you are and that you will provide? And would you show me how to wait for this? Would I recommit to pray? So I'm just going to pray and then we're going to go back into worship. Worship.